You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today once again for another interview as we uh, speak to somebody else on one of the shows that we are covering here on the program. Today it is about Lost. The actor in the episode today is Mr. William Maypother. Now, you may know William Maypother, of course, best as the role of Ethan from Lost, uh, who, of course, first appeared in the first season, went on to be in around 15 different episodes and uh, one of the most memorable characters across the show. A great chat here with William, talking about how he got cast on the show, some memorable scenes, working with the esteemed Emily Raven, as well as uh, memories working in Australia, working way back on Mission Impossible 2. And an interesting take on the character, when I questioned him about uh, whether or not he knew he was evil, his uh, reaction was quite a unique one and might make you think slightly differently about the character next time you watch Lost. And uh, as always, a bit of a spoiler alert here, should you be watching along with us and not quite up to some of the later episodes of Lost, maybe best to give this one a bit of a miss until you have seen the full show. So here is my chat with actor from Lost, William Maypother. It is a massive pleasure today to be able to welcome our next guest here to the Oz Network as we continue a series of interviews related to some of the TV shows that we are covering on the program today. Today it's all about Lost and we're speaking to William Maypother now. You may know that name from a variety of other things but when it comes to Lost you know him as, uh, well, let's just say the name Ethan and I think that might uh, send a <laughs> shiver down some people's spines. I'm not too sure how it will go with that but we're here to chat to him about Lost and some other things today as well around his uh, amazing and stellar career. Uh, William, thank you so much for joining us on the Oz Network today. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. It's an absolute pleasure because uh, it seems to be a, a trend we're noticing with a lot of uh, the actors we're speaking to who have appeared on Lost, that uh, it doesn't really matter how many shows and movies you've appeared on, you know, big movies, big TV shows, all these sort of things. Lost is always one of these ones that people want to talk to you about. And this is a show now that's approaching 10 years since it ended. Uh, I mean, is this a show that still to this day people are like, oh, Ethan from Lost, how are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. People still come up to me and say that. And uh, it's acquired a whole new group of fans, as you're aware, because it's streamable now. So I get lots of people to say, oh, I missed it the first time around, or I was too young, or I was too busy, and I just started watching. So it just, yeah, it just keeps going. And then people who watched it when it originally aired, and mm-hmm. they just, they just love it. They remember it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was a show that just, you're on it in that very first season, obviously, when we first meet Ethan. Such a huge, huge hit from the very get go. I mean, how did the whole casting process come about, uh, when it, when it came to the role of Ethan? Well, um, I I had uh, some friends from uh, uni, and in 2002, I had planned a big reunion for all of us, and right before the job occurred, right before the trip, I got a job, and I had to cancel, and they gave me a lot of abuse. <laughs> so we said, let's do it again in, uh, I think, September of 2004, and I helped plan everything. And picked the house we were going to stay in. And on, I'll, I remember it now. On Thursday morning, I was supposed to fly from LA to Chicago, fly east. And that morning, late morning, my agent called and said, I just got you an offer, which is, you know, music to an actor's ears. It means you don't have to audition. I said, for what? She said, this show lost. I said, I've never heard of it. She said, it debuts tonight. 
And I said, oh, God, I'm supposed to go to this trip. So, of course, I had to accept. And I spent the afternoon then fielding abuse from all my friends uh, on, on the fact that I canceled yet again. They had never heard of this show. And so that Thursday morning, instead of flying east to Chicago, I flew west to Honolulu. And it had that, – that night, Wednesday night, it debuted right out of the gate in the States. It was a huge hit. Yeah. And uh, then I landed in Honolulu, and they took me right to the set, uh, right to the production office, which is right where the set was shoot, right where they were shooting. And they took me to wardrobe. They didn't have shoes that fit me, and they didn't have time to look for shoes. So they bought the shoes off my feet, which is why Ethan wears New Balance. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know anything about the show. They gave me the um, – the scripts, a couple scripts to read on the way over. It's about a five or six hour flight. And when I landed, I called or I, I don't remember, emailed my agent. I said, Oh my God, the audience is going to wonder who the hell is this Ethan character. Mm-hmm. My point is that my appearance, uh, you know, really grabbed the audience by the throat and it was there on the page. Wow. The writers get credit. They, they just did a terrific job of setting it up. Wow. So, and and evidently the reason I got offered it is because J.J. Abrams, one of the co-creators, remembered me from the mo- this movie I'd been in a few years earlier that got a little tiny independent film that got several uh, Oscar nominations called In the Bedroom. Mm-hmm. Terrific little drama with Marissa Tomei, Tom Wilkinson, Sissy Spacek. And when my agent or he heard my agent proposed to me, he just said, oh, God, offer it to that guy. Wow. So I got very lucky. So I got offered and then, uh, you know, then they killed me off and they kept bringing me back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a trend in loss. Let's be honest. It's kind oh of like God, if, exactly. if you're killed off, you know, perhaps you expect to be brought back in flashbacks, side flashes and flash forwards and all these sort of things. But no, think- <laughs> no. <laughs> With, I mean, no, I mean, yes, you're right. You're right. But God, no loss. They just. They, f- they find- kept finding ways to weave me back in. They do, they do, which is good for you as an actor. You're always working. You're getting trips to Honolulu. I mean, you know, I, I think that sounds like a pretty good deal, right? <laughs> it was a great. You're absolutely right. It was a great deal. I was the first season. I was over there for a long stretch, but in subsequent seasons, they would just call me. It was like uh, a little treasure dropping from the sky. A little call. Hey, we want it. We want you in another episode or two. Will you fly over? Mm-hmm. So not having to go in for uh, to go in to read for anything, and to have jobs just suddenly appear for the next several years was uh, what I got spoiled. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that. And it's kind of a thing we're also learning too with a lot of the people we're speaking to is the fact that you're not told a whole lot about the character, and you're mentioning obviously reading through those scripts and it'll be someone that stands out but i mean what what are you told initially about the role of ethan and what are you learning in those scripts because as the audience particularly for this role we don't want to know straight away that you're actually another and you're pretty much evil uh you know we're thinking you're just one of the survivors but all of a sudden great twist you know plot twist here you are kidnapping claire and charlie and uh strangling from trees and basically next minute you're shot dead in the rain so uh how, how are you learning about this before you learn all this <laughs> Well, I I um I landed and I said, "What can you tell me about the character?" And one of the um, producers was there, uh, 
and they were uh, the details were rather spotty. And I thought, this is interesting. What can you tell me? Well, he kind of grew up on the island, um, and uh, they told me some contradictory things. And it was clear. It seemed, of course, it's it seems clear in my memory. At at the time, I may it may not have been this clear, <laughs> but in my memory, it seems clear that there was still a lot they had not worked out. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I shot that first day, and it's uh, I think it's episode six or seven about the golf course. Mm-hmm. And all I do is come in with Hurley, I think, and drop the clubs. And uh, then I they took me back to the production office, and that day or the next day, I went in and I said, "Look, uh, you can't expect me to perform without knowing what the heck's going on." There's, there's obviously, there's a whole world you've created here. And they hemmed and they hawed, and they finally agreed on my day off to let me watch all the episodes. Because episode one had aired the night before I flew over, and I think I was shooting six or seven. So there were five or six episodes that had not aired, and of course they were so tight-lipped about all the secrets of the show because they knew they had a hit, and they didn't want to give anything away. But I... I bitched enough that they let me watch them, and then and it was apparent in those first episodes just what everyone later saw that they had indeed created a world that nobody had seen and raised all sorts of questions and mysteries and what the hell and they slowly I slowly started putting pieces putting things together, but that process of discovering as I went continued through the entire show, as you can imagine, I watched the show myself. And I don't even remember what season it is, but at one point, Jack said, oh, we had a surgeon. Uh, his name was Ethan. <laughs> I, remember what, I remember watching that episode at home thinking, what the hell? I had no idea it was a doctor. <laughs> and, you know, it's fun, but it's also a bit frustrating because as, as an actor, um, I would have preferred knowing so that I could have placed – a few suggestions, whether it was a look or gestures or physical behavior, something to suggest that. But I, I think that they, they they could start out the show only knowing so much. It's not unlike going through the jungle, I suppose, and you can't – you can only see it as far down the trail as you can see. And then they get further than they had imagined, and suddenly there are – things that they hadn't foreseen or mm. things that they needed. Oh, we need a doctor. Let's make Ethan the doctor, whatever it was. So I had not been told a lot, and I, uh, my suspicion that there was still a lot they didn't know was confirmed when we shot the next episode, which I think uh, it was either seven or eight, when Hurley said, I'm pulling down papayas. Where are you from? Ontario. And then at uh, then I see, uh, I think Charlie, and he's like, go get Jack. And then, of course, at the end, uh, the jungle, uh, I see Charlie and Claire. Mm-hmm. And I think it, Hurley has just gone to Jack and said, he's not on the manifest, too. And then they cut to me. And uh, so I'm going to tell you two things about that scene. First of all, the the shot is very wide. So... There's a little area called Video Village on every set, which is where the monitors are, and they have the chairs and the director and the script supervisor. 
And they all said, but when you have a wide shot, they can't be anywhere near the actors. And it was late afternoon, if I remember correctly, and we were losing the light. It was getting too dark to shoot. So they did something called a series, which is instead of saying cut after you shoot, you the actor just starts the scene again or starts his line again, and you just do a bunch of takes within one take. Right. And it saves a lot of time. And so they said, William, will you, can you do a series? I said, yeah, of course. So I'm about 30 feet away from Charlie and Claire, and I say something to them. I don't remember what it was. And the director yells at me. And, of course, you don't want to <laughs> – it's always a little uh, unnerving when the director says the direction – gives their direction to you out loud because at least it is for me because then I'm aware that everyone on the set is watching saying how well – is he going to be able to carry out this direction? If they whisper it in your ear and you screw it up, nobody knows but the director. <laughs> so she screams this. Okay, uh, I said the line once or twice. Okay, do it again. Do it like you're angry. Okay, do it like you're apathetic. Do it like a robot. Okay, do it like a monster. I mean, do it like an alien. Like just literally throwing <laughs> stuff on the, against the wall and seeing what was going to stick. And so when we finally when they finally cut it together, I had no idea what was going to what what they would have chosen and how the character or if the character was going to cohere. And it ended up being terrific and of course they cut on that look, that freaky look I yeah. give that freaks people out and even I looked at it when I saw it the first time on the screen, I was like, where the hell did that come from? Who is that guy? Okay, so here's, the, here's another little tidbit about that scene. Originally, the scene was I'm about 30 feet away or 20, whatever it is, and Charlie uh, uh, says to Claire or sees me, and he's like, hey, I think he says, hey, you get – did you go get Jack? I said, oh, no, Jack, no, I didn't go get Jack. And then he says something like, why not or something. And I think that's where they cut. And then I give a look or something. It was something like that. But the scene actually continued. What we shot was, in fact, on the page. And that is after he, uh, after he chastises me for not going to get Jack, all of a sudden there are whispers in the jungle all around them. Mm -hmm. Remember the whispers? Yeah. And both he and Claire start looking to their left and right, where the hell are those whispers coming from? And they spend about a second, second and a half doing it. Then they both look back to the front, and I'm standing right in front of them, as if I have somehow teleported myself <laughs> 20 feet in one second, standing perfectly still, not breathing, not sweating, just standing right there. And he says, what? And maybe that's when he says, get, I don't quite remember. But he gives a start, and he says, well, what are you doing? And I ignore him. And I look at Claire and I said, everything's going to be okay. Wow. Wow. And, of course, they just you know that, that look that Maypother gave was so damn freaky. Yeah. We have to cut right <laughs> That's fine. That, that's good enough. We don't need exactly. <laughs> that. No, no, we, don't need, we don't need the teleportation. The look pretty much includes it. Well, I mean, that really, really, yeah, that is one creepy look. So uh, if there was, you know, an Emmy for best look. 
um, in an episode, I think you might sort of uh, get the, get a nomination there because I mean, I think what really you know sells that whole moment, and obviously from the very first season, is that this is really the confirmation, isn't it, that there are other people on this island, that this isn't you know what it seems in terms of we've heard sounds of monsters, we've seen polar bears, but there are now other people on the island as well. We've had a bit of that with our Rousseau, but um, you know this kind of you know. At the end of the day, she sort of turned out to be slightly okay, whereas, uh, yeah, the others are not. But so when, when you're initially getting that, you're mentioning about when you're learning about the role, can I uh, learn a little bit more, please? Show me the episodes. Are you told that you are going to be evil or is this something that slowly gets revealed uh, as you, I guess the episodes are being written and you're being given the, the future scripts? Okay, well, <clears throat> you said that when you started off the uh, our conversation that, that we find out I'm evil, and I'm going to try and not uh, run away with this question, but um, I don't agree uh, that Ethan is, and I think it's one. I think one of the beauties of the show is that most of the characters are in shades of gray. But let me put the question back to you: what what prompts you to say that Ethan is or was evil? That is a very good question. I, I guess kind of on the context that we're following this through the eyes of the survivors um, and that we're sort of as we are learning through kind of particularly early on that you're taking babies and, and pregnant women and all this sort of stuff that early on we're thinking you're evil. I guess as the, the show moves forward and we get more of that background, um, you know, we're learning obviously the, the reasons behind this. Um, so I guess that... From that perspective, where we're, we're watching it, that it should be that way, given that who we're watching through this, the eyes of the survivors. But I guess if you are following this through the perspective of the 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 others, the the people who are there, the Dharma Initiative and everything, that I guess you know it's one of. The, I like the, what you said. It's sort of levels of grey there that really it can be perceived that perhaps it's not entirely evil, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And tell me what even from the perspectives of the sur. Survivors would make Ethan evil. Well, I guess the whole, I guess, kidnapping a, a woman who's pregnant and hanging Charlie from the tree early on isn't exactly um, uh, completely a, a good thing. Uh, I, I would assume that that might think that these people have just landed on an island and this person is trying to murder one of their own people would perceive the perceive him as being Ethan, particularly early on. Right. Um, well, uh, I do understand what you mean. Um, I will say that from the perspective from their perspective certainly taking claire um seems uh, uh seems not the friendliest of gestures <laughs> if you recall when charlie comes up to me in the jungle i think that he swings at me first mm -hmm. and i think when i fight with jack jack definitely um, swings at you jack first start and i think charlie tried to swing a uh, uh a little uh he was holding a stick or a log of some sort and he swung it in my head um so both those uh i was not the one to strike first i suspect and in terms of administering a shot because i think there's a shot of me with a hooded uh or somebody with a hooded sweatshirt and I, and the reason i know all this off the top of my head even though it's so many years later is because Obviously, I've been asked this question before, and I can remember <laughs> responding to it. But 
somebody asked once, what about the syringes? And you were giving Claire shots. And I said, I think I remember, I remember watching this in season three. For some reason, season three, episode six, six sticks in my head. And I think Julia or Julie, Julia, is it Julia? Uh, Juliet. Who's Juliet? Excuse me. Uh, who is perceived as one of the good guys uh, comes over and says, Oh yeah, one of our other guys, uh, uh, Ethan, was giving Claire shots because we believed it would help her, or she needed to have them, something like that. Um, so uh, I never perceived uh, Ethan that way. Uh, it, it would be very difficult. It's very difficult as an actor to play a character that way, or else they flatten him out, and it's uh, and you become you know the twirling your mustache, and you lose a lot of the depth. And then, of course, as you said, we later find out he was a surgeon, and and the show complicates further be things further beyond the levels or shades of gray when we enter alternate uh, time, uh, alternate realities, or or time travel. Um, when we start to wonder, are there different paths these characters uh, are on, or have they taken alternate paths? So. Um, I don't know. I used to have a couple more defenses for a couple other of the things that Ethan did, but that suffices. I never thought of him that way. Uh, I just was presented what he did in the scripts, and I had to find a way to justify it for myself, which was always interesting um, because I didn't have full information. So you end up doing some mental gymnastics trying to justify <laughs> why you're doing certain things. Yeah. But um, – they never nobody ever said to me, "Oh, Ethan's a bad guy or anything like that." The, I think the producers, um, most of whom were also the writers, uh, were too savvy and had dealt with actors too much to do that. So nobody ever said that to me directly. And as I said, you just find a way to justify what you've done, uh, which and I don't remember how I did it in the first season. How I justified what – because at that point, when I, when I was kidnapping Claire, I must have thought that I was doing it to save her or help her or something. That's interesting. Um, it's very interesting to hear it all described like that. And, uh, I mean, you, you're absolutely correct about sort of the, the shades of grey that so many of these characters have because, I mean, you brought up Juliet there, and that's a perfect reference point, I think, that uh, when we meet her and we see her, we automatically assume that she's, you know, as you said, quite a good guy, but even through just – her flashbacks and everything, you know, when we see her working closely with Ben and just all things like that, then you, you do question that, don't you? Um, which, which I guess this is what Lost does so well. So, I mean, I think that's an interesting perspective to look at that because, yeah, very first season, I, I guess we're maybe meant to see that Ethan is, is a bit more of a bad guy, but as we learn more about him, kind of as you explained, sort of, sort of through the stuff that he's doing, uh, it's, you know, it's, it makes that character so laid. And just hearing you describe it there as an actor, they don't want to flatten it out purely like, you're bad. You know, the, the mustache twirling, as you said. So, but I guess kind of, you know, talking about the challenges and everything that you were saying with this and the mental gymnastics. I love that explanation. That works so well. I mean, it must, though, as an actor, to be able to play this role and keep getting cold back, as you said, it, it must have been out of all the roles that you've played, one of the most, I guess, diverse and, you know, interesting characters to play when you're not, I guess, so black and white. Do you, do you find it out of all the roles you've had over the time that this is one of your more memorable ones, or is it your most memorable one that you've ever played? I would say it's among the most memorable. I've been fortunate to to have had some terrific roles, um, and of course, I'm fortunate to have any roles. Every actor is 
uh, typically happy to work. But it certainly is one of the most interesting. It provided uh, challenges I've never had before, partly for various reasons, one of which we've talked about, having incomplete information. The other is jumping back and forth across time. The other is a thing, something like a surgeon in which you have to find a way to incorporate that uh, or have it jibe with everything else you've already done. And to participate in some sort of a, a conspiracy or group activity which is outside the mainstream or uh, not clearly uh, justified or identified. These are all elements that <laughs> you don't get in a typical role. Mm. So, yeah, it absolutely was. And those are all – that's just the character. That's separate from – Shooting in Hawaii, shooting over a period of six years, being a part of a show that is, that became a cultural phenomenon. Those all obviously add to the fact that the, that the role was so memorable, but just the part itself had, as you said, a lot of interesting elements that I've never, that I had never played before. Mm-hmm. And obviously throughout the show, you get to work with some great actors because, you know, Lost obviously filled to the brim with great actors. One I want to ask you just briefly about, uh, Emily DeRaven, obviously during those, uh, scenes in, uh, season one where you're sort of working closely with her character Claire, um, and everything along those lines. What, what was Emily like? I mean, a proud Australian, obviously. We're, we're proud to have her as part of our, uh, great country this side of the Pacific. Uh, you know, she seemed like she'd be a great person to work with. She was. She was a blast. We had a, we always had a really good time together. And even though, you know, it, it, the characters went through their, uh, ups and downs, we got along really well on the set. And she's a terrific person. As a matter of fact, I ran into her at, uh, in, in October at something called the pumpkin patch. So mm. I don't know if, do you guys celebrate Halloween in Australia? Uh, look. We're trying to. Every year it seems, <laughs> every year it seems to be a bigger thing, but at the same time, like, you will legitimately get people knocking on your door saying trick or treat, and as Australians, we're like, what the bloody hell do you think this is, America? Uh, so like, it's, it's kind of, it depends Funny. on where you are, but I think a lot of people want to. Well, in the States, a pumpkin patch is, uh, in the month of October, because we celebrated October 31st, where you go to get pumpkins, uh, to carve and place out. And then also sometimes people turn it into a little bit of a kind of a festival and you'll go and there'll be tractor rides and maybe animals and, and, uh, all sorts of autumn uh, food and things like that. So I actually, I have a, I have a young daughter and we took her to a pumpkin patch and I ran into Emily there and I'd not seen her in years. Uh, so that was a lovely surprise and, right. you know, we, greet ourselves greet each other as old friends so she was terrific to work with and yes was indeed very proud of um of of being an australian and i lived in sydney for almost a year mm-hmm. and so we had a lot to talk about um, great you would have and, learned some australian uh, things then through through emily and obviously uh living in australia then i mean you'd be able to drop some australian words to me here i feel at the moment william that you should be that educated well, it'd be very it would be <laughs> i Fuck! <laughs> I, I mean, it was very. It was, uh, you know, I, when I remember, as I said, or the 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 abbreviations uni and brecky and yep. and all sorts of. Things. I just had a wonderful time. I really like. I've got a bunch of Australians friends up here, and I I had a wonderful time. I thought the country's beautiful, and and um, uh, and the people terrific. I just 
uh, is one of my favorite places. Good to hear. But that's, Emily was a lot of fun to work with. That's that's you're saying all the correct answers here today, William. Good job. That's what we are. <laughs> that's what we like to hear. Did you did you have a favorite uh, a scene or I guess a storyline uh, that you that you had throughout uh, your episodes? Because I think it was uh, the episode count that I'm seeing here that you were on at least uh, 15 episodes. So I mean, there's a few there to work with. I feel. Yeah. Um, what would I say? I would say probably the early, the early episodes because they were there were so many clustered together, mm-hmm. and that made it more interesting. It gave you a bit more momentum, uh, and then right after that would be when I was a doctor because I got to work with Emily again, and it was so much fun uh, playing the same character but being so different. Mm. It was almost maybe like being uh, maybe it. It's akin to having a role as a spy or uh, someone who's in witness protection. Completely different personality and in a completely different environment. Um, but those would I say my two. That's I think that's the first time I've been asked that. So those would probably be my two favorite storylines. Interesting. For me. Interesting. Yeah. It's. I mean, the thing that I think it's it's funny because um, I I've been sort of. In, in doing this show when we were rewatching it and kind of going through each episode at the same time, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, uh, the, the fan site that basically, uh, re-edited Lost and put it in chronological order. So it's called Chronologically Lost. Oh my God. Lost. Oh. Uh, by the way, something just occurred to me. You did say early before we started recording, I think that this is for viewers who are re-watching. Yeah. But, uh, for those who are watching it the first time, I guess they would have a tough time on this podcast if everybody like me is just giving just <laughs> we we warn just, we warn William don't worry we let people know that uh if you're kind of watching it in order with us that essentially you know to to make sure that uh maybe listen to this uh you know in parts or <laughs> basically uh yeah. wait till you've you've seen a little bit more of it but um yeah it's i mean no, from, it's so fascinating no, chronologically right. lost to kind of see it in a, a different order i don't know if you're familiar that somebody had kind of put that together no, but it really works an interesting way to watch it it does yeah, very much so. Cause it's, it's kind of, I think it, my suggestion to anybody listening to this who hasn't heard of it, uh, or who, I mean, I know Noah and I have talked about it briefly, but it's, it's definitely something that I think you should watch after you have seen Lost in its, in its proper way, because there are lots of things that if you've never seen the show before, you wouldn't understand. Um, but I think if, like, if you've watched the show a couple of times or, you know, at least even once to watch it kind of actually in, chronological order so we see like you know young ethan and then we kind of obviously see all the scenes of you know you with richard and kind of recruiting juliet and you know well before we even know you're on the island so it's kind of it's it's a unique way of uh, seeing it and particularly with all the flashbacks of sort of all the other characters you know seeing all the stuff that happening to jack or kate all this sort of stuff before they're on the island it, it it's a really interesting way of kind of watching the show so if you've ever got the chance uh william by all means track it down it's it's a fun watch I will, and let me ask you before we get off the topic, what, uh, what, what was your one or two big takeaways from watching it in chronological order? Did it? Uh, I'm curious about, and, and it can be something you understood you didn't before, or it made you feel uh, a different way about a certain aspect of it. Well, What's the big picture takeaway for you? I think it's the subtle little throwbacks and references that they kind of seem to make. So, like, if there will be a a mention, I think it was um, the scene with Richard when he visits uh, baby Locke, uh, when Locke's like a toddler, and he's basically trying to, I think, recruit him, and he's like, you know, which of these is the most important to you? 
and I think kind of the connection that that had um, from an, an earlier episode in which I, I think it's during all the time traveling bits, there's a moment there where Locke sees Richard and he says, he mentions something really subtle about you show me this knife and how important it is. And basically, it's one of these things, if you're watching it in order, you've really got to have a good memory to remember it. But then, like, when you see it so close in order, like with Locke going back in time and then you're going to see Baby Locke, it's just, it's clever. Because then you see how well written this show was, that they have small little references that many seasons later they remember. And a lot of people complain about Lost never having answered any of the questions. And as we're going through this rewatch, we're saying, people need to watch this show more closely because they answer a lot more than you ever understand. So I think when you watch Lynn. it, it's so cleverly done. Yeah, they, they, you're absolutely right. It was very well planned and outlined. Uh, Damon Lindelof said that to me once, I think at the end of the show. I think it may have been uh, for the finale. They had a big party, a, watching, a watch party for the finale. And I think it was there when, uh, or maybe it was when I saw him sometime later, I said, asked him about something or commented on how many questions they raised and he said every single thing is answered in the show Mm -hmm. now he didn't mention how clearly or obviously it's answered maybe it's something's answered in the in the spine of a book in a bookshelf but he said every single thing is answered and what you just pointed out was one small example of the fact that they had foreseen that and did a setup and payoff very very effectively and Thank God if they did, what are the chances that that was done carefully and everything else was slipshod? Mm. Chances are not very good. The suggestion is that you take, you find a random question and answer like that, and the odds are that it actually is representative of the rest of the show and the care it was made with. Yeah, yeah. And we've been doing that sort of every one of our main rewatch episodes. We, uh, keep a list of like questions that are posed and then we eventually find the fact that they're all answered to kind of prove that you know, these questions are answered. So, you know, the obvious, what's the polar bear? Like, you know, where are they? You know, who's Ethan? Things like that. Like, they all get answered. So, um, it's, it's kind of, it's been fun to kind of do that and to have people sort of listening along with us, you know, cause we're, we're not claiming we're the only lost, you know, podcast we lost out there. There's, there's a bunch out there, which is fantastic, but, um, it's just sort of interesting as fans to kind of really delve into that. And it's, it's fun and also shows that maybe we uh, have a little bit too much time on our hands as well, but hey, look, we're having fun doing it. <laughs> Well, at least you're doing that with good shows. Yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, speaking of the fans, what is, like, the craziest fan interaction you've had? I mean, I, I can imagine the amount of fans that come up to you and talk to you about this role and also the questions they ask. But, I mean, is there just one that stands out from all the fans you would have uh, interacted with over the years? Well, uh, I'll give you a couple, but they're actually not from Lost. Um, uh, actually, no, I'll give you a, a few quickly. One is... Uh, after the show, after the movie In the Bedroom came out, mm-hmm. uh, which is a terrific movie, uh, if people want to watch it, it's intense and there's there, it, there's some grief in there, but it's a really lovely movie. First time director, uh, remarkable that he was able to do this, and I play a scary character, <laughs> and um, and the show, the movie particularly unnerved women, and I was in a grocery store <clears throat> once standing next to a woman and I was getting something off the shelf and she got something off the shelf and turned and saw me and literally dropped what she had been holding. Wow. Fortunately, it wasn't 
glass. But <laughs> then I said, I went to help pick her up, and she said, ah, ah, and she said, and she said, I'm so sorry. I just had just recent had just seen the show. Another time, right after the movie came out, I was at a party, and that was years ago. I was still single, and a woman came up to me at the party, a very attractive woman, and she said, I want you to know that when you walked in that door, walked in the door of the party, I didn't like you. I immediately did not like you. And she said, it took me 30 minutes to figure out why. Because I had just seen, I had just recently seen in the bedroom. I thought, wow. oh my God, imagine how many women have that reaction. <laughs> and they never have the secondary thought to realize it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> Oh, oh my the god, that just cost me up. so many dates, that movie. <laughs> um, but Lost fans generally have been, uh, are very polite. Sometimes people come up and, uh, you know, they come up at awkward moments when you're at a table with your family and you got your mouth full of food and, uh, and then I'd say, you know, I'm with my family. I, I can't stand up and go outside and take a photo or anything. And sometimes people get a little bit defensive and say things, but 99% of the time people are really friendly. Then there was the guy who followed me into the bathroom and stood next to me at the urinal without having to go to the bathroom talking about the show wow. while I went to- <laughs> He was committed. Thought, okay. <laughs> committed is exactly the perfect word. <laughs> committed and curious. And I thought, and maybe a little bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but generally people are, are very friendly, but yeah, people come up and I, uh, you can tell when so I can, at least I can tell when somebody recognizes me because they'll, They'll walk past or they'll try and look or they'll nudge their friend and then they kind of look around. Oh, I'm going to check out the lights at the ceiling in this restaurant. That's <laughs> really interesting. And then they'll look over. What are the lights over there? That sort of thing. Um, but 99% of the time, people are really lovely about it. And they'll come up and ask questions you know, about the character and things. I was going to say, though, that like if you have sort of these interactions where you get there and, you know, you, you have an attractive woman or somebody's like, oh, I don't like you or this sort of stuff. Do you, do you ever just try and turn around and be like, oh, well, hang on, I'm related to Tom Cruise. Like, come on, you like Tom, don't you? Like, come on, that works well for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't take that route. <laughs> don't take that route. Okay, right. Just 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 checking to make sure. Um, one Fair thing I, want, I wanted to ask, um, just in relation to sort of some of your other work, um, where later on this year, we're, we're, I mean, on the line of Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, obviously, a new one's coming out. We're going to be covering the Mission Impossible films. Now, you worked on Mission Impossible 2, and I, I'm guessing that's when you mentioned you lived in Australia, because obviously Mission Impossible 2 was uh, what, mainly filmed in Australia. Um, any, any sort of things that you can sort of tell us about that, working on that movie? Because when we get to that film, uh, you know, we might need to track you down again, William, to sort of talk a little bit more specifically about your time on Mission Impossible 2. But I mean, I can imagine working on a big film like that, that, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. You've done it a, a few times, of course, in some other films, but, uh, the Mission Impossible series is, uh, almost, uh, got a big fan base out there just like Lost. So I can imagine that was a good one to put on your, your, uh, acting resume. Yeah, it was. And, uh, I also was, a uh, Got a credit as a creative consultant and worked a little bit with Robert Town, the, the writer on that. And um, it was uh, it was a blast. I mean, when you say any memories, it, God, I was I think I was in Sydney for nine or ten months. So there are a lot of memories. I think if you do circle back with me, we'll have to get a little bit more specific. But we shot in Broken Hill. We shot all around Sydney. We shot down at Bear Island, um, uh, and um, 
Boy, there's a lot of memories about that. Uh, let's let's wait and ask a more specific we question because I I've given you some long answers, and if you give me an open ended question like that, it's we'll go, be on it's here. Going to be hour. here for another half yeah, <laughs> half now for sure. Well, we definitely will do that because, like as I said, we sort of um we're looking at sort of doing that. Colin, uh, one of my co-hosts here, uh, he's just. I think he's a crazy massive fan of uh Mission Impossible series. And when I said that I was interviewing you today, uh, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about Lost. I'm like, he was in Mission Impossible too, wasn't he? <laughs> like Yes he was. <laughs> so um I think when we do that one about Mission Impossible, he'll be the ones uh asking mainly the questions uh over me. But um I mean out out of outside of Lost, I mean, as I said, so many different roles that you've had. I mean what what has been, I guess, sort of going you know, looping back to my question uh, about how has the role of Ethan compared to some of your other roles. But, I mean, do you have one that does stand out to you over your career that just is the one that you're like, I, I'm so happy that I got to do that role? Roles of, of all the roles, not just an episode of Lost, all my yeah, roles? Yeah, all of them, every single one, really uh, opening the well, question out here for uh, you. <laughs> yes, uh, I would, two occur to me, Lost is one of them, not only because of, the challenges of the role, but because that helped my career uh, more than any other role. Uh, I I was dating a woman uh, a year or two, I think in 2005, 2006. Uh, she was from the Czech Republic, and so we went over there over the holidays. And I think it was December 2005, and she was from Prague and we went a couple hours outside the city and stayed somewhere out in the, one of the forests and we took a long three hour hike and in the middle of this hour and a half hike, we see one guy the entire three hour hike and halfway through this guy passes us and he goes about 20 meters behind us and then he calls out and he said, he looked back and he said, he yelled, Ethan? <laughs> and I thought, oh my God. So that, the show, <laughs> the show obviously had international reach and appeal. So that's one of my roles. The other one is the one that really started my career, and that would be the movie I've spoken about a few times, In the Bedroom. Mm-hmm. And that's the movie uh, – that's the role that J.J. Abrams remembered me from that prompted him to cast me in Lost. And I'm grateful to that for not only starting my career but the richness of the role and the quality of the movie – uh, that that I was a part of and the actors I got to work with. It was just a terrific experience. So those two stand out. I've been lucky to have a lot of terrific roles and work with a lot of terrific people, but off the top of my head, those two come to mind. And right now, what what are you up to? Uh, what What's in the pipeline? Anything you want to plug or tag sort of uh, moving forward that we should uh, keep an eye out to see you in? Yeah, I've got a couple things in post-production like every actor, and I am also like many actors, hesitant to talk about anything that hasn't yet uh, occurred. You never know if it's going to go south. I learned that lesson early on. You tell somebody, oh, I think I, I'm going to get this role or see this, and then six months later, How, whatever happened with that role? Oh, I didn't get it. Oh, I didn't get it. Oh, I didn't get it. So um, I have a couple things in post-production. I'm hoping to hear back or waiting to hear back on a couple of things. Uh, other parts of my life, I co-founded a film finance site called Slated, and uh, we bring together independent filmmakers with uh, people who want to finance films, and it can be people of, of all sorts uh, all around the world. And uh, anybody can join. 
And as a side product of it, we've also created the first industry-only or entertainment industry-only social network. So we've got 40,000 or 50,000 users and about 5,000 projects, everything from $100,000 first-time feature to $20 million projects. So that's something your users may want to check out. And it's a way to connect with other people. People find jobs on it um, and find projects uh, and find financing. Uh, I also am uh, – I also write – so I got the rights to an FBI uh, memoir. Do you are people in Australia familiar with what our FBI is? It's kind of like our domestic yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so this guy had been an agent in the FBI for thirty years, and had a fascinating career. So I'm working to set that up as a television show, as a series, and then I'm adapting a novel from the Cold War, uh, and then I've got a couple other scripts I write. Uh, I'm working on right now. So very busy. Um, well, <laughs> you know that's the life of an actor. I learned pretty early on. You drive yourself crazy if you sit around and wait for the phone to ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you got to find ways to to keep yourself occupied. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, exactly. And so it's for Slated. Is there a a website where can where can people check that out? Is it just Slated.com? Yeah, or it's just Slated dot com. And we also produce a uh, we've produced a number of terrific white papers on film finance and uh, the team is just astounding they've got uh an, a predictive algorithm and uh being able to predict the rotten tomato score i don't know if you guys use rotten tomatoes down mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. um it's just it, yeah, there's a lot to look at on the site a lot to explore and uh, it's free to join slated.com slated.com we will we will tag that uh in our post and uh before we let you go william we always like to give people the opportunity to have social medias instagram twitter anything that you want to plug out there for people to follow you uh, a little bit more online yeah i have a my Twitter handle is William May Pother. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I don't post very often. I need to be better about that. Um, and I'm on Facebook also, uh, and I don't post as often on that. I'm a little bit more often on Twitter. I, I'm not as great on social media as I as I should as I should be. <laughs> but um, but I'm all I'm on all those, and I have a website, uh, WilliamMayPother.com, and. I've, uh, I blog somewhat erratically uh, on charitable causes that are dear to me. And also, if you have any actor listeners, uh, listeners who are actors, I have several blog posts in there in which I, um, in which I uh, answer some basic questions about acting and my own thoughts on the, on the craft and things. Beautiful. Well, we'll definitely link everybody to those. Uh, William, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to chat with you today, mate. Really, uh, great time learning a lot about, uh, your role as Ethan on Loss and everything. And as I said, moving forward, we'll, uh, have to get you back on again, I feel, to, uh, do a bit more of one on Mission Impossible 2, because I know that, as I said, Colin will be champing at the bit to hear all these stories and everything <laughs> about working on that film. But mate, such a pleasure on the show today. And, uh, we'll no doubt speak to you again very soon here on the Oz Network. I look forward to it, and thank you very much for having me on, Ben. It's really been a pleasure. And thanks to William for his time there and for his management for arranging that chat today as well. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned. We will get him back on the show when we do our Mission Impossible Month coming up later in 2018. Looking forward to bringing that one to you and obviously some behind-the-scenes stuff going on there from Mission Impossible 2. But more interviews to come. As always, check out the website, theoznetwork.net, to try and find out who's coming on the show or if you've missed any of these other interviews, head to our interview section on the page. You'll find them all there. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the 
the general places. And while you're there, we appreciate it if you'd leave us any feedback along the way too to let us know what you think of the show. As always, we read every message we get, all the feedback. So uh, let us know how terrible we are, how great we are, everything else in between. This has been the Oz Network. Thanks once again to William for his time, and we'll speak to you next time. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.